We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 384 of the Win in Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Well. Glad to hear it. This is, this is one of our uh, most enjoyable, most fun pods we've done lately. Um this is kind of an emergency pod, a reactionary pod, certainly. Um, we were going to record a little bit later in the week. Again, the book schedule is not helping us out. But instead of that, instead of working through some broader thoughts, it seemed worthwhile to do a bit more of a quick hitter um, that would go up before Wednesday night's game with the Nuggets, be a little kind of devoid of just the ins and outs of books basketball talk on the court and will instead focus upon the news that broke earlier on Wednesday, um, which is that Bobby Portis, certainly the six man of the year front runner in our hearts and minds, um, his right knee injury, which he suffered on Monday night has been diagnosed as an MCL sprain. And he's going to miss some time. I'm actually, I'm going to lean more into the Sham Strania reporting, which was he's going to miss some time, because that is definitely a more accurate representation of how this will likely evolve with the books and even for how we will process it. 
Woj later followed up in saying that he will miss a minimum of two weeks and he'll be reevaluated then. Uh, my my two cents on this is we haven't seen it reported if it is a grade one or a grade two. Um, you could assume it's a grade one based on Woj saying a minimum of two weeks, but a minimum of two weeks does not really exclude the possibility that the minimum is actually four weeks either, you know? Um, this is what Kevin Durant is currently going through and working his way back from. It's a pretty common injury. So Chris got that's right last year too. That's right. And it is one that all things considered, this is actually a positive outcome. Because when he when he went down and it's a knee injury, and when a diagnosis comes back like this. You get the region where the damage was done. This is kind of the best outcome you can hope for in that space. Um, it's going to be a painful one for the books who it seemed like had finally got healthy, uh, finally getting Chris back up the floor, getting everyone out there together. And as really has been the story for a number of years now, once the books get everyone out there together, someone else gets injured. That's what's happened with Bobby. We'll get into all the specifics. We'll maybe talk some more about the injury. I've been uh, looking at some of the the database stuff on uh, in street clothes, the invaluable NBA injury database to look at how MCL sprains generally seem to kind of uh, work out for players or what the timelines are. We could discuss that. I guess, first of all, just a real bummer to, uh, to see Chris back out there. Chris do some good things, clearly feeling his way back, but a really great books performance against the Pistons um, an offensive first half for the ages, certainly putting 150 points on them overall. It might just be the Pistons, but we saw a lot of the books that we hadn't seen for quite some time, by way of Giannis being back, by way of Chris being out there. And then this happens. Yeah. Um, it's not to the level of this, but certainly harkens back to Chris coming back from his torn hamstring during the 2016-17 season and then that when he comes back I believe it was against the Heat um, that same game Jabari Parker tore his ACL for the second uh, time, not second year um, yeah whatever whatever uh, uh, I guess winning a championship has uh, brought all these injury woes and uh, opened Pandora's box in this way but in terms of Bobby specifically it's I mean he's been having such a great year the the fact that we could say that he is a six man of the year candidate when the Bucks have had all these injuries and um between him and Brooke he's been kind of an Iron Man or Iron Men um this year just to have some stability with all the the revolving door of absences so yeah it's just a bummer because he's you know been having a really good year he plays in a vital position where yeah you think of Giannis and Brooke in the backcourt but obviously Bobby has made his mark in Milwaukee and certainly having you know not the best numbers or peak efficiency but still pretty damn close um I just there's been so much to like about what Bobby has brought to the table this year especially um that yeah, not having that for the next couple of weeks is kind of a bummer. And it it's just, you know, I, I think the Bucks are, you know, going through all these changes and absences and injuries and all this stuff. The Bucks are 
well equipped to weather the storm um, in some ways. And part of it is just part of the grind of a very long NBA season. And it's made longer when you had what four to five seasons now of long playoff runs on top of that. So it's just a lot of miles and not to keep banging this drum, but this team is a very Vader veteran laden team. So yeah, you're going to be a little bit more susceptible to not like catastrophic injuries, but stuff like this, where it's like, he comes down on his knee, it's non-contact and you fear for the worst. Cause it's just, you know, that's never, ever good. There's never been, there's been few, I shouldn't say never ever, but there's been few instances of, something like that happening and, you know, getting not a best case scenario, but what could be better than a worst case scenario. So in terms of where just Bobby is at and just where the bucks were trending towards just to lose another guy for however long this is going to be, because they're going to be cautious because it's not easy to come back during the season either. Um, So yeah, just a bummer. Yeah. And I, I know the MCL, like it's, it's function is stability. It's function is to enable movement and to feel confident, strong with stability, which is why it can be a, a troubling injury that can, I guess, have a little bit of murkiness around timetables generally. And I know that's not what Bucks fans want to hear, but it, it really can be something where it's like two weeks go by, three weeks go by, four weeks go by. And a guy just doesn't feel right on it. It's like, implanting and moving and are we talking about bobby or are we talking about chris <laughs> i mean, true. I, mean it applies I, to both I, I do think i do think the fact that that was his injury towards the end of last season and then it goes into the off season um that and then obviously he had a surgery which limited him in other ways I, I think that is a big part of what worked against it because he didn't get to go straight into okay i've recovered and let's regain that strength that he would have in an in-season setting and I guess with some more wear and tear on the clock and everything else that applies to Chris, that kind of compounded itself to what we saw there. But I think even if we were to, I know it's tough, but if we were to completely separate this from Chris, like it, it is something, and I'm not saying that to be a scaremonger or to be like, this is going to really go on for a long time, but it is possible that we're like two weeks and there's some more that's grade one. And it's like, yeah, we hope you'll be back in two weeks. And then two weeks come and it's into another week or so on. Now with the way we're at in the schedule, I believe that three weeks probably takes us true all-star. So I think that is a pretty safe assumption for even in the best case scenario that the books will probably give Bobby three weeks um, and have him hopefully ramping back up just towards the return to NBA action post all-star break. Um, but we'll see. It's it's possible that it could be a little bit more than that. Maybe this is the best time for it to happen because you've got all-star in there and it's going to be at least a few days that you're getting. Um, you're getting a free pass on. You're getting a chance to get him back. It could also be the worst time if the books have their eyes on making deals because... They have uh, lost some leverage in negotiations, strictly if they had their eyes on either big forwards or bigs, because uh, teams are going to really like play up that. They know there's an urgency that wasn't there, um, maybe just to get through the next stretch even, because as much as it's like, as much as we're in a place, and we've been talking about this kind of thing recently, where it's like, yeah, the books are good, and if they get everyone healthy, go and do your thing, and you can beat anyone in the postseason. Part of that was kind of based on, okay, well, when Chris is back and then you've got everyone back, 
now Bobby's down and you're really, really thin in the front court. And you don't have the margin for error. Uh, you have a few games margin for error to still kind of stay in the, the wider mix of the best teams and be taking your chances. But it's it's a crowded kind of playoff race in the Eastern Conference. And you don't want to kind of put yourself in too challenging a spot where you're really pushing for something you haven't had to in other years. That's all a balance. And I respect, and I honestly don't have an issue that the books in weighing up that balance, I know now that the books will put the health of the players above all else. And they will back that if we get everyone right and healthy, well, we just believe in ourselves as a team. And whether they were the one seed or whether they're in a play in, I think with this roster, that's how the books would respond to those kind of situations. Um, but it is an interesting one because of the timing for multiple reasons, because whether it just plays into existing negotiations that makes those more difficult or raises the price that the books have to pay or whether it forces them to do a rethink if they had their eye in a certain kind of target where now they really are in a spot, particularly with Surge having a tantrum, um, which uh, I don't want to, I don't want to put too much stock in that of the like, Oh, you know, if he wasn't like that, if he wasn't feeling like that, he could be playing now. He's he's doing the books a favor because he's finished. Yeah. He is he is cooked. If they can get away from him and get someone younger, they don't have to be as good as Serge Ibaka was at his best. But guess what? This is not Serge Ibaka anywhere near his best. So yeah. they just need a, a warm body who is there to give Brooke some, some backup minutes at all. And even beyond Brooke now, I mean, part of the concern too is, okay, you got a nice run where Giannis was certainly injured, but I do think they probably said, okay, it's not the worst thing. Let's let's take our time with this, and you getting a breeder isn't a bad thing. I don't think they would have drawn that up with the feeling of, oh, and when you come back, you're probably going to have to play quite a bit of five. And that is the reality that we're looking at with how the roster is. I mean, yeah, in theory, we're going to see more Sandman. In practice, will we? In practice, have they just completely moved on from the idea of that? Kind of has felt like that for a while. And if it, if now is not the time, well, then they actually should just move on because there will never be a time. Um, I don't know where you're at on that in terms of internally what the roster looks like and how they they make up for this. Because one thing is positionally, but the other thing is, again, we're talking about six man of the year leader here. So you have got a massive, massive amount of offensive contributions that you're not going to have an easy way to make up for off your bench. That is a balance that is a real challenge now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I agree with you in some extent. I mean, there, the things that you can't replicate with Bobby now not being there is certainly the posting up ability, certainly the hustle he gives on the boards. Um, obviously, you could counter with, well, he's not the most solid defensively. He's been kind of struggling recently, too. Um, that's all fair, but that's – I'm not – he was not a perfect player. No one is on this team. Um, even Giannis, but you can still make a mark with what you're doing and what kind of role. And he's really elevated his game in just so many different ways, not to just go along on Bobby specifically. But I do think there's an intriguing option that I think could really, it'd be funky. I know what it is. Is it one we've kind of been advocating for for years? Or not? No. I was thinking, thinking? like, you're you're really going to lean into Pat at the four, and that's going to be... Pat at the four is not that bad. Um, Particularly with Chris back, because Pat's place and all of that will be shifting soon anyway, and it might just be, oh, well, you're going to see this kind of on your minutes. He's kind of been doing some of that anyway, but continue. Uh, There's a way I I do have my head that would be more provocative here, but I'm not going to take any more guesses. I'll let you just come out with it. Joe Ingles. Oh! I think, for one, you could go really playmaking heavy. I mean, he's been part of some closing lineups to you know in recent games, recent months, I guess. So basically, since he returned, um, and positionally, I mean, obviously, the biggest question mark for him um, is just where do you put him defensively? It's always going to be on low usage kind of forwards who don't don't really test his athletic ability. You're not, I mean, it's not a perfect uh, option by any means, because again, Ingles is a tough son of a bitch, <laughs> but he's not going to be, he's not like Bobby in, in the, he, he plays a different game than Bobby in the, yeah, the hustle yeah. and effort plays. Well, let, I mean, let's also not pretend that Bobby is like a defensive stalwart. I mean, no, so that that is an area where that is an intriguing idea because the biggest concern with Bobby, like Bobby's size is important and he has generally done a better job of learning how to make that work defensively and within the book's framework. Not perfect. I don't feel like that's been there so much from this season. 
But I, I think we all very happily overlook it when his offense has been like to the caliber it has been. That's kind of the the best case when he arrived with the books in terms of him as an individual, not the him fitting in, which is really everything we've seen up to, to that point. But it's like, what's the best version of Bobby Portis optimized as a player look like? It kind of feels like what we've been seeing this year. And even his shooting had been maybe trending a little bit more in the right way from beyond the arc of late, where you're... That might have been our last episode. I think we had the conversation of like, well, what do you like if he really starts knocking down those shots again? Oh yeah, it's gonna get crazy. Like, what do you what do you do about that? He's he's at a level that is far beyond any other role player, particularly bench player in the league. If he's doing that, um, yeah, that makes the Ingles thing work. But that, think... the the size the size is still a thing though, and there are nights where you're just not going to get away with that. Like for, for example, no. against, against the nuggets Ingles at the four, if he's always out there when Brooke is out there, uh, that can work. I mean, I'm not going to say that there probably won't be moments where Jokic finds himself on, on Ingles and it's like, good luck, but Hey, he, I mean, there's moments where Brooke could find himself on, Jokic and won't be able to like you were talking about a true exception one of the absolute elite borderline unstoppable players in the NBA yeah but if you came up if you come up with a team with a a strong 3-4 tandem like strong star level or good size but elite athleticism that's where Ingles becomes a problem and honestly, this probably feels more into than the past ideas of the kind of player that I think a lot of people want the books to trade for for a while. Yeah. Now, the Ibaka thing is a problem, though, because it, they do just need a big. They they really do need someone who can give you some minutes as a more traditional big. Um, But in an ideal world, I think you do also have a, a kind of slightly rangy wing forward in the mix, too. I guess is the Abaka thing is why the Bucks have elected in pe- years past to have fourteen players on the roster because you never know who wants to get out. And the, what a great thing they could have done and just not given him a contract and done exactly that. Mm-hmm. He's been zero use until now. Like they could have yeah. done that. Um, in terms of the Eagles, and sorry, thing, sorry, just before you start that, I gotta bet they will next year. Oh yeah, yeah, they learn. John lessons. Horst won't make that mistake yet. Yeah. Um. In terms of the Eagles thing, I just think it's it kind of makes sense because it's going to open more opportunities for. I think we're going to see a little bit more of Marjan again. I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of West again, just because Bud is going to want to have defense on better too. Yeah, like I, I think like you just need weeks off. George Hill is probably going to be a little bit. It just you need size. You need guys that you're going to trust. Um, I, I did not mention Jordan Werther because for obvious reasons, but like, um, I just think it like, because if you slot Ingles down, I mean, Chris can even be this too. If you're really worried about kind of not putting him to the fire, putting his feet to the fire, so to speak, where you're not going to put him on guys that may be a little, I don't know that could shake him loose pretty easily. I think you're going to try to hide him. There's probably Again. a case he made that that's a better reintroduction for Chris. Just the, the problem is with where you'd want him in a hurry is back in the starting lineup. And with Giannis there and Brooke there, you can't do that. Yeah. But 
what if they what if they don't rush him back into the starting lineup so quickly? Well, that's, we yeah, that's his minutes ramp up from the bench, and he like let and okay, let's imagine this is the best case scenario where Bobby is out for two weeks, and it's probably three weeks before we see him. I don't think there's an issue with that, and I think they'd be fine with it, and no. Chris would be fine with that. Him being the sixth man in that setting, and you're just keeping someone who's gonna keep your offense taking over in that kind of spot in that role. And it might be a better and more gradual way to work Chris back. He'll ramp up his minutes from there. We know it doesn't necessarily matter if he's starting or not. We see that with Bobby a lot of the time. Um, that's maybe an interesting and the most logical option of all. It's just, it may be logical, but it doesn't always necessarily kind of align with what NBA conventions are for players of Chris's status, for former All-Stars, you know, borderline All-NBA. To be like, oh yeah, you're back. And uh we're gonna we're gonna have you come off the bench for three weeks. Like Chris is not an ego guy, and at this point, I think he'd be fine with that. I'm just happy to be healthy and working his way back and contributing if the books are playing well. But I, I do think that makes even more sense than Ingles, just in terms of what you may be concerned even about Chris being exposed to while he gets his feet under him. And as time has gone on, I think he's become a more natural four, just in terms of body type and his strength. What's now almost approaching old man strength. Um, he has got a lot better in that department of his game. He's kind of a better post defender. Have a guy back him down. He's going to hold his ground. He's going to use those those long arms to contest shots on fadeaways and that kind of thing. It's something as he's got older, that has become a bigger part of who he is as a defensive presence. And I think that coupled with, okay, the offense that you looked at for Bobby, like that, that could work if if he's game and the books are game. But they may have a completely different vision and they probably have a plan mapped out for ramping up Chris's minutes and Chris's role if there's no no stumbles along the way, which, you know, yeah. knock on wood, we're still, uh, we're still not making assumptions on that. Yeah. I, I just think the biggest thing we you talked about it directly for a few minutes there when we kind of went off topic, but it's just the fact that this happens two weeks before the trade deadline. They have been linked to Jay Crowder for as long as I've been alive. Um, And (laughs) I wouldn't have necessarily thought Jay Crowder would be the kind of guy that I would go after um, before this. Yeah, right now, there's more appeal to it than I've ever seen before. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's, that's like to talk about timing of Bobby, like the other, I guess, NBA reporting being done today is that uh, Matt Ishbia's deal to close his his purchase of the Phoenix Suns is advancing and it's expected to be done before All-Star break. But like what can really happen in terms of trades and in terms of if the Suns are taking on money or if they're parting with assets taking it, like I would assume that conversation is a little bit more complex right now. Maybe it is as simple as they're at a point, well, we're just you know dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So consult with the person who's going to be the owner. And if he's happy, it's approved on Sarver's end or whoever is acting on Sarver's behalf. Yeah. Or maybe it is not as simple as that, which with Sarver is certainly possible. And it is very much, well, I'm not doing anything and you'll have to wait for the new guy. Um, That could be a factor in 
the long-standing, slow-moving trade negotiations, it seems like the books have been involved in for Jay Crowder too. So you've got that, and then you have the Suns, I guess, coming from a, a position of strength. They're like, oh, you, you really want Jay Crowder now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Again, it's just that's it's such a weird standoff because it based on where the Suns are and the own their own inconsistencies and injuries that they have to overcome. They've been incredibly disappointing this year. And I don't know, it just makes it there's that going on, and there's all like the Nick stuff too, and just there's just so much posturing made through the media is any of it real is any of it real i think i do think do you think the knicks thing is real well the knicks they're they exactly yeah the knicks are kind of irrelevant to this situation (laughs) i think this the the suns specifically i do think that they have a checklist um of what they want they're not going to get all of it but that's just what you do when you leak things to the media to try to get a better offer and you know they have their as much as now they can kind of again put the bucks feet to the fire not to use that overuse that phrase <laughs> but they have their like you can easily turn on them where it's like you guys are might <laughs> i don't know where they are in the standings right now but they're it's seventh in the standings seventh in the standings so they're in the play realm tied in Tied with the Mavs in record in sixth place. So, funnily enough, but it's just like you have you have your own playoff uh, future to worry about, and obviously the Bucks have their own. I just I don't know. I I don't know how much of a wrench this throws into or urgency that the Bucks feel now. Um, they'll whatever front they put up. If ever anybody's asked about it, they're gonna not you know project a very calm. They're just gonna say nothing. They're oh, gonna, of course, they're not tell anyone anything. I, I actually think this is an injury where that is probably more excusable. But if they knew exactly, were able to pinpoint it today. If they were time travelers who had seen him return and come back, and were able to give us the date, much like we were on playback, Jordan, last night, uh, talking <laughs> about the 2018 Brewers. I they wouldn't they wouldn't tell us they don't wouldn't tell us no. a thing. Uh, to, to go into some more detail, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, from in three close, Jeff Stotts is that I'm not buying it. It's Jeff, Jeff Stotts, Stotts right? Yep. Is is in street close? Um, an athletic trainer who honestly a really invaluable resource, maybe not updated quite as regularly as it once was, but even just looking through, you can at this point <laughs> Google in street close and any injury, and you'll get a a reference guide for different NBA players and what it's what it's been um, in terms of length of recovery over the years just a really valuable website um if this is grade one that two weeks timeline is probably pretty solid and there have been multiple examples of that i think one notable didn't it was like the 2016 finals maybe conference finals where steph uh, had a grade one MCL sprain and he returned pretty, pretty quickly. I think in about two weeks as well. One of those Warriors, right. one of those Warriors playoff runs. I can't remember exactly which round it was, but it was towards it the was, business. It end. was the seventy-three and nine year. Yes, that's right. Which is twenty sixteen. Yep. 
Um, the flip side of this is if it isn't a grade two sprain, which Chris's a- was, which Chris's was, and which the average time for for NBA players from the industry Coast database. And this is an article from a few years ago. Who's funny enough, and Kevin Durant did this that time too. Um, but it was an average of twenty-one games missed, or roughly six weeks, which is not insignificant. No. Um, given the situation the books are in, the time of year, and again, the kind of the idea that we're all hoping for, which this is, this is the beginning of a ramping up process for the books of getting themselves really kind of finely tuned for the challenges ahead. There isn't a reason to believe it's going to be that. At this point, um, but part of how we can stretch that is, as I mentioned before, this is a this is a, an injury that is a stability concern for guys in their knees. So a lot of it is about feel, as opposed to just oh, you did your two weeks, you're back on the court. It's one more players. I think they can often practice talking over the years too, where it's like they get back out there and it's just doesn't feel right. Just doesn't feel right. And most injuries, guys are like, yeah, you say I'm good to go, I'm good to go. Um, but this kind of thing is one that I think spooks players a little bit more because if you don't get this right and you go back, well, you could be facing a lot more than five, six, seven weeks, anything like that. You could could lose a season, you could lose a year. Yeah. Um, the Bucks will not play with fire on that. So we'll see. I hope it's a grade one. Either way, but- you're getting a week. Worth worth of time. Is it a week this year? That's half a week. They're they're getting worse at this. It's it's approaching Major League Baseball. Jordan, in my first MLB season last year, when I was so excited, I was like, "Ah, the All Star All Star break is here. Got a got a few days off, or I won't be up late watching games." And then it was three days or something like that. And I was like, "Sorry, what? Excuse me? How's this work?" And I feel like the NBA. Maybe it'll be unfair because I guess the schedule's been condensed in recent years. So we got a bit more time this year. Let me see. It's still very why can't I find a link? It's it's eight days. It's eight days. Eight days. Between games for the books. So that's not insignificant not bad. as well. Not bad. I, did I if I remember correctly, Pat when he um would he what was it? Something with his hand last year, metacarpal. Yes, metacarpal. He that Metacarp. also overlapped with the uh, the Ulster break as well. Um, which again, you just buy some time. It's all about buying time at this point for <laughs> the Bucks. God knows that they could use some <laughs> to get everybody healthy again. Yeah, Pa fractured his fourth metacarpal uh, in his ring finger on the tenth of February last year. Mm. And was looking really good before that too, in a kind of way like yes, Bobby, was. I think. Um, do you think? Do you think they go a crowd or our crowd or esque route? So, or is it? Do they actually have to go and try to? I mean, we know what their salaries are. That one trade that they're gonna make, certainly the trade they're gonna try to make first in every case is gonna involve. Jordan Wara with Serge Ibaka, you know, maybe a George Hill. You're going to just kind of get off some of what, you know, all due respect for one of the three parties that I mentioned there. 
uh, just yeah. your junk. You're going to just try and get rid of your junk, package it together for salary, throw a couple of second rounders with it and be like, great, we got rid of that and we've got something we can use. And in that scenario, of course, you're also freeing up a roster spot, whether that is for someone who's a free agent, someone who emerges um, on the buyout market. One way or another, do you think we are seeing multiple player turnover sparked by this or just otherwise for the books? Because I, as much as I'm not convinced that the trade they're going to make, I uh, felt this way for a long time and I'm still, if Bobby hadn't got injured, I'd probably like, yeah, we just don't do anything. Unless if you can get off surge, like obviously that's one, get rid of him. He wants to go. You don't want him. He's not doing anything to help you. Get rid of him. Uh, if you package war and you free up some spots, whatever, and then you want to take a couple of bio flyers, that's easier said than done, as we talk about every single year. Yep. But fine, <laughs> do that. I'm not convinced they're going to get a trade that's going to make them better. And in all honesty, that is the case for the majority of teams in this kind of situation every single year. You make a trade, and it's not the trade that propels you to great things a la PJ Tucker. It may be more like Nikola Miritich, and honestly, it may even be worse in a lot of cases. Than honestly, it might be just periphery. It could be what Serge yeah. Ibaka was last year. That's was, also it, true. Yeah, I mean, like, was, can we just on that? The books had two second round picks back on that because I keep people keep talking about Dante for Serge Ibaka, which you know what? I'm fine. Get rid of both of them. <laughs> um, there's someone else who agrees with me, Jordan. There's someone else who agrees with me, but just get rid of both of them. That's fine by me particularly when you got two second rounders back. I mean, for anyone who's romanticizing Dante, I don't think they're really paying too much attention. Some good stuff. There's still plenty of the things that made him Dante and that forced the books to lose hope and move on and definitely a lot of fans. Sorry, it was I always about the picks. Yes. It was always about the picks. We um, why it was the about time. the picks? It was about the picks because this year you're probably going to use <laughs> those picks. Like uh, that's yeah. that's what horse has been doing. If an opportunity comes up ever where you could be like, oh, you're gonna give me more second rounders, so I can just have some route to making future deals. That's what it's for. Um yeah, so are you on are we looking at multiple players turning over or how do you I... actually predict this playing out? I'm not looking for names, I wouldn't be so unkind. No. Not that kind of podcast. Uh, but just in terms of what is the direction this is going to unfold in. Um, I'm sure they're going to, I'm just thinking of the same names. I'm not going to, like, I understand it's Crowder or Bus for a lot of people, but like, it's just been so, there's nothing has significantly changed with that situation. And probably since the moment that he asked for a trade um, and the Bucks made their offer and nothing has much changed for either one team. <laughs> um, but I do think it's more periphery. I, I don't think it's this PJ Tucker. I, I see, I sense either more like last year or it's like the 2020 year where you get a guy like Marvin Williams who wasn't a trade. It was a buyout. Um, from a Hornets team that was pretty abysmal. There's not a lot of sellers right now. It's, again, I think anybody that is deemed a seller, it's either very obvious 
um, or it's the teams that you want them to make a move, whether it's like a Raptors or a Jazz. Um, I do think it's just a matter of <laughs> will we will we list the sellers like the obvious sellers? I mean, this is the thing the, the NBA wanted to uh, incentivize winning, and so the play-in came to existence, and the play-in has killed the buyout market. It may take multiple years before people realize it just doesn't exist really anymore, but that is the spot we're in, because right now, if you look at the Eastern Conference standings, um, the Raptors, who are in 12th, are one and a half games out of the play-in, and they've got young players, and they may just decide, let's just keep what we're doing. We could actually make the play, and we could get in and have a run, and if not, we're still young, we come back next year, we make some changes. Yeah. Like, that's fine, and if I was a Raptors fan... I absolutely am not. Don't ever say that about me. Uh, I would probably be like, cool, let's do that. There's no need to sell stuff off at this point. I don't know if it's kind of maximum value or the thing that's going to lead to the best results. So that leaves you the Magic, the Hornets, the Pistons. They're your sellers. They're the teams who are four plus games back of the playing spot. Fantastic. Like how much is really there? Look, there are a couple of. I'm sure people will chirp up again. Uh, our friend Numak loves to do this about Mo Bamba. Uh, and if if Mo Bamba was going for free, the books need a big, and I'd be like, cool. Uh, it's not gonna work out like that, I'm sure. And if you go to the West, it's even tighter. The Lakers, Darvin Ham's Lakers. I'm sure that's how everyone refers to them now. The Rui Hachimura led Lakers. They are 13th in the West, but they are only a game and a half out of the play-in. As the Rockets and Spurs. It's the Rockets and Spurs. And the Rockets and Spurs have nothing. The only thing collectively between those things they may have is Eric Gordon, which is why Eric Gordon was linked to the books in the past week. Um, And I don't know if there was any truth to that. I'll be honest, I didn't really want any part in that at this point. I feel like... The trade for Eric Gordon ship has sailed because he has rotted on bad Rockets teams for multiple years now. Uh, every year, they just do not trade him. But if that was a real thing for the books, well, they now need a much a much bigger player than Eric Gordon. They're they're certainly trending up to forwards. Can I interest you in court. one Kenyon Martin Jr.? Not particularly. He's fine, like, fine, but if you just I, got him, if he was just there, sure, I'd be like, that's cool, that could work well, but uh, the books, Jordan, I know if you know this, um, they should be, and I believe they are, trying to win an NBA championship, and I do not think that is the move that swings their fortunes one way or another. No. Um, and on top of this, I just think, I think Jake Fisher, I'm going to actually bring this tweet up, he mentioned uh, how the Hachimura deal was made and the Bucks actually played a wrinkle in it because there was a three-team concept between the Suns, Bucks, and Wizards that would have sent Rui Hachimura to the Suns, Jay Crowder to the Bucks, and three seconds plus salary to Washington. And that set the price for the Lakers' acquisition of Rui Hachimura because they put up another second round pick for so four total to go to uh washington so Rudy Kachmura gonna get paid this year 
solid player. I, I don't think he's, you know, an all-star level player, the kind of player that the Wizards thought he would be, maybe, but they're also terrible at drafting and developing, so I don't know <laughs> which way this could go. But to set the bar so high for a player who, fine, but also is a restricted free agent this summer, that's a bar that's really high that I'm sure the Suns would be like, look at this. Let's try to get that. And it's like, no, why? The Lakers why? are ruining it for everyone, as, as always. Yeah, of course, because they can't manage well. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, the horse will do something. That's, yes. that's his MO. Um, and I think this year, more than some other years, it's important that he gets whatever that something is right. So we'll see. Hopefully, I, I mean, the flip side to this is if just Chris can stay healthy and work his way back and start to look something like Chris, that softens the blow of losing Bobby because the level of importance, and it's not to say he's not important, but that we're ascribing to Bobby Portis is very much tied to what we've watched all season. And that has almost exclusively being without Chris and you're certainly in a better position to manage this injury with Chris back. If Chris is back, <laughs> it's, yeah, the, it's the way exactly. I, I will, I will put that one. So I, I guess that's part of the upside. And again, let's just hope it's two weeks, but even if it is that I do think it's, uh, it's the kind of reminder that maybe, maybe horse needed, maybe the books needed, for all the different things, I'm like, oh, they could do with this, they could do with that. Injury to Brooke or Bobby is pretty catastrophic with the construction of the roster. And we already know about the impact of Brooke, and I don't think any of us would doubt the impact of losing Bobby, but just without having depth. I mean, something that's been their situation for really a number of years, and they've got away with it because Brooke has been an Iron Man figure except for his injury last year. It maybe in part, Jordan, that contributed to that injury being quite as much of a problem. I don't know. Was he playing for years? But yeah, my back is pretty sore here, but I'm going to go and play 81 games. And the only reason I won't play 82 is because you're going to sit me out of one at the end of the season. Uh, <laughs> but the, they are the guys, like just in terms of the shape of your roster that the books can't afford injuries to. They don't have the flexibility or the options and where the depth is really good on the wings, what people have kind of had their eye on is, oh, what they're missing is the wing forward. And if you lose one of those bigs, that actually becomes an even greater need again. So you end up kind of almost doubly punished because you don't have the center depth that you want, and also because you don't have the depth in what could be your plan B. That's got to force horse hand. But your hand could be forced, horsed, and I'm just going to pull Dr. Seuss here, Jordan. Um, your hand can be four-sourced. I, I can't think of other ways to continue this timing, but uh, there may not be the players horse out there. Horse is a horse, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, speaking of Dr. Seuss, it's time for Mike Dunlap's Tweets of the Week presented by Jordan Tresky. We're just going back first, to Twitter. I was about to say, first things first, are they in fact tweets this week, Jordan? They're tweets. Dunlap had a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts running through his, 
his mind, talking about coaching, of course. Lots of thoughts on officials and got a lot of blowback from various officials as well. He also, uh, he's, he's not just a one sport man. We've, we've come to know this over the years, or I guess, yeah, literally, because this segment debuted in 2022. <laughs> I was like, over the years? Okay. Um, he had some thoughts about Tom Brady. I, I, this, I'm pushing back on this. Is this your best? No, no, no. This is a different okay. Tom Brady one. All right. Tom Brady. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> Tweeted at 2.21 p.m. January 17th, 2023. Tom Brady, time's answer, fate, sad, depends. His decision, not mine, not yours. Poem, semicolon. Man in the mirror, semicolon. No, no, poem, colon. Man oh, yeah, the sorry. Mirror, yes. colon. He's going double colon here, which is a bold Double move. colon. Pretty For sure it it's not, not, well, continue. I think it's grammatically proud about for it isn't your mother, your father, or wife whose judgment upon you must pass, but the man whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. <laughs> oh, is the glass? I wonder whose poem this is. I'm going to Google oh. Man in the Mirror and hope I don't just get confronted with the Michael Jackson song, which I don't believe these are lyrics from, although I would love if, if the lamp is just like poem and he's given lyrics to Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Um, oh. I Man in rushed. the Mirror poem. Dale Wimbro. Um, Dale Wimbro. Dale Wimbro. Dale Wimbro. Dale Wimbro is the, the poet in question here, it seems. Um, don't know if he's a poet or renowned or if this is like an inspirational quotes type poem but what i'm seeing when i google it um oh he he was a poet he lived from june 6 1895 to january 26 1954 okay american composer radio artist and writer he's best known for the poem the guy in the glass written in 1934 so what I was going to ask, and I haven't read the, the whole poem, is the guy in the glass, is this is this a reflection in the mirror? Or, Jordan, is this a reflection in the bottom of a glass? You know, bottom of a pint glass, bottom of a... A glass onion? No. David Blaine? No. What? No. It's a good tweet. I'll, I'll let me circle back. Yeah. This one is good. Um, there are, of course, there's so many other ones to choose from. I mean, there really is, even on the same day. Power vulnerability, colon, gateway to trust, quote, I am lost. Can you help me? End quote. Quote, tell me how I can help. End quote. Tink we, not me. Quote, where do we go from here? End quote. Beginning of timeout, colon, ask a question. Quote, what is the best thing we are doing? End quote. Leading by following, parenthetical, at times, very powerful. Just that the man is a menace with all of this punctuation. I don't think I've ever seen this much punctuation in my life. Losing a game, job, or failing in general. Like we've got one, two, three commas in that sentence 
uh, not incorrect, but just a very heavily punctuated way of speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask and leave room for discussion, a review. Where did we fail? What did each of us do? Why did we do it that way? What should we do differently? Whatever the outcome of that process, most important to have a preview, review, and takeaway. Lovely, lovely words. What a, what a wise man, Jordan. Um, just do not cross him. Do not <laughs> kick back on any of these because Mike Dunlap will put you in a body bag. If you're like, Mike Dunlap, I disagree with your thoughts on officials. He's not here for it. This is not a this is not a platform for conversation, Jordan. This is he's standing up on a podium and he is sharing his thoughts, and we are lucky to be receiving them. He's been around, he's been on this earth for 65 damn years. You're gonna listen to him, you're gonna like him. I'll actually I'll, just to wrap up, I'll give the example. So in what are some of the most controversial Mike Dunlap tweets so far. I know some of you are like, oh no, is Mike Dunlap going to get cancelled? No, it's nothing no. like that. Officials. Tough job. You bet. Paramedic. Nurse. Grade school teacher. Tough job. Absolutely. Many jobs demanding. At some point, the individual has to stop burping that out as a way out. Most enjoy the challenge, and instead of quote-unquote excusing, revel in the scarp of it all. To which, to which, uh, someone replied, at referee, CPA, so possibly a referee here, Jordan. Says context basing. This is back to really, I mean, this ties into a larger officials has been a trend recently. I'm trying to think what might have sparked that. Hmm. It could be anything. The man is clearly not his life, goes far beyond the books. Judgment is always there. Your wife, it's always there. These are recurring themes at this point. The L's hooting their judgments. I can't remember what the one was where was was your wife also judging you in that other one? I think there was, yeah, there's something, yeah, your wife. Something you were to like ignore your wife. your wife's judgment, essentially, which was surprising. But um, so this person replied with context missing, hollering to get attention when it's loud and I'm across the floor is one thing. Hollering when I'm right next to you or when it's about an old play, that's another. To which Coach Dunlap quote tweets, context missing? Not really. Say we go at your context and it is very loud in the stadium slash gym. More context for you. My experience, many officials use that as defense mechanism, not to mention power ploy. Even more context for you to consider. Boom. Game, thick, set, thick truth. burn, Jordan. It's always a pleasure. Always a great time to uh, to go and check out what Mike Dunlap's been up to on the, the Twitters. You know when Elon Musk, every now and then, when he's like, oh, record engagements, you know? People have never been as as active on this site. Is he really just talking about Mike Dunlap and the Mike Dunlap effect? I, who's to say? Who's to say? Well, I was hoping you. I was hoping you I will would, say it. You would take a stance. I know you're not oh, a man yeah. for taking stances, but I thought on this one you might. I will say. I will stand and have a stance, and it will say the Dunlap effect. So the defensive stance? Yes. Just like G. Allen. Yeah, I, I think 
I think Mike would approve of a defensive stance. If you're going to take a stance, take a defensive stance. All right, Jordan, that does it for us. Uh, a true defender. quick hitter. That was actually also since we last recorded. So <laughs> it was probably what should have been discussed. But listen, there will always be more. There's always room for more. It's he's a volume the, shooter and he's a volume ending. scorer. It's the gift that keeps on giving, you know. Mm-hmm. The overflowing well, Jordan. We just never have to worry about it running out. Until next time. Thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You should also go check us out and get involved. Join the conversation on Repod. Repod is a podcasting platform for if you want to go and listen, you want all your pods into one place. But also if you want to be able to chime in episode to episode, share your thoughts. Um, We here at Win and Six on the Eurostep Podcast Network main feed and in the wider gspn community we are on repod at the moment we're having a lot of fun with it if you've got thoughts on a given episode something you like something you didn't like hit us up start the conversation uh or you don't even need to start jordan will have started it you know let the conversation flow jordan that's what we specialize in join repod.com forward slash gspn and that's how you can get to the gspn room and share all your thoughts i think that's pretty much it Cruising for bruising for all things brewers. Talking to Tundra for all things Packers. Make time for this for all things pop culture. GSPN.info if you want more on any of that. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.